The following podcast is a presentation of Project Entertainment Network. Welcome to Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius, your source for horror, sci-fi, suspense, and all things violent. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks so much for joining me today on Vicious Whispers with Mark Tullius. The short story at the end of today's episode will be from 25 Perfect Days Plus 5 More. That is 14 Angry Marchers. Last week, we played Five Minutes Alone, the first story in this book. Uh, Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it and will like this one as well. So last week, I talked all about Deliberate Discomfort, the challenge that I was doing uh, with Mission 6-0. Awesome. I was telling you guys how much I was enjoying it. I started last Monday. I was pushing through it. I promised I was going to get it done. I was going to stay with it. And here I am this week to tell you that I failed, that not only did I miss a day, and then I was still thinking about continuing. Um, I was thinking about restarting, going back to day one, which is what you're supposed to do. But I've made the decision just to drop out completely. It was not an easy decision. I definitely uh, had a hard time with it. I talked a lot with my wife and kids about it, uh, whether I was just being a failure, a quitter, a, uh, you know, uh, so many, so many different talks with myself. Um you know, am I just being weak? You know, that, that's a big part of it. It's like we, we whenever we're challenged, we, we come up with these excuses to quit. So that's what I did. I came up with plenty of excuses to quit. Now I can go over them with you and see if they are legitimate or not. Um, you know, and it's, it's so easy to convince ourselves of something. But um, all right, so let's take a look at these things. And for, again, this is a great program. I just don't know if it is right for me. Um, And a big part of that is because I was already doing a lot of the things that are required. So let's go into it. Uh, The first thing required is the spirituality and breathing. Uh, I do a lot of that. I've already been doing it for a long time. On Tuesdays, I do an hour-long session, breath session. Every day in the sauna, I'm doing breath sessions. I've I found what that works for me. I love doing the Wim Hof method. Um, so for me, that wasn't even a uh, consideration. I was just going to keep doing that anyhow. Um, and then there was uh, the reading. I was already I'm already doing a ton of reading. I have to do reading for my research. Uh, read a lot of nonfiction, a lot of self-improvement. So I was already doing all that anyhow. Um, One of the things that I hadn't been really doing was the gratitude journaling. So that is a really good thing to do. Uh, I was doing variations of it um, where every night I write. Um, I'm a writer, that's what I do. And generally I would the first one, thing, first things I do when I write is to write about the day a little bit, uh, good stuff, bad stuff, things that could have improved. I also have a journal. And so although I wasn't exactly doing the gratitude journaling, I was doing a variation of it. Um, but from now on, I do want to continue to do the gratitude journaling, making that more of a thing. Um, what else was there? So on top of that, uh, Oh, there was also watching a video. Their videos are really good. They're only about 13 minutes long. Uh, I was definitely getting some stuff out of that. Um, Although, man, I have so much, so many videos that I'm trying to knock out right now. I'm learning so much about my business, trying to improve in so many different areas that that's kind of where I want my focus and attention. You know, I only have so much time during the day. And so 
you know, that's just another 12 or 15 minutes that I'm not going to be spending learning about my business or doing something like that or and self-help. I have I have tons of things that I need to or that I would like to watch. Um, so while their videos are really good, um, you know, I could I could take or give those. Um, another part of it is uh, just being part of a group, part of a tribe. Uh, I think that's important, but I already feel like I have that with my jiu-jitsu tribe, with my MMA friends, uh, with my all my writing associates. Uh, I have my own Facebook group, um, you know, and, and so I'm getting a lot of that right now. Maybe it's not the same sort of thing, but I do have that. Uh, the coolest thing from this, and it made me the most uncomfortable, I mentioned it last week, was calling people uh, every day. So calling an old friend, family member, or something like that, uh, once a day. Um, that by far was one of the best things out of this uh, challenge. It was hard to do, but I'm so glad I did. I got something great from each of the people that I called. I'm going to continue to do that. I probably will not do it every day. Uh, I might attempt it every day, but whether or not the person calls me back or whatever else, I came up with my whole list of people. I have over 60 people that I want to get in touch with. I know more are going to come up. So I think that is an awesome thing to do. Uh, I'm going to continue to do that uh, without the challenge. Maybe with the challenge, the challenge would make sure that I did it. Um, but, you know, that is what it is. Uh, the last thing, and this is the biggest one, was the, the physical challenge. Now, they do two workouts every day. Um, one is like uh, weightlifting and stuff like that. And then the other one is uh, running or hiking and, uh, you know, a fast walk. I absolutely love the fast walk uh, and the hiking, uh, the rucking, putting weight on. I'm going to continue doing that. That is huge. It's awesome. Um, but the other stuff was beating my back to shit. I have a degenerated disc. Uh, it's just not what I need to do. I've spent so much time figuring out my body and what works for it and what doesn't. Like, man, I, I love jujitsu training. I love uh, yoga. I love, uh, and even with jujitsu, I, I don't do as much of it anymore because I could kind of screw myself up. I'd be very careful with my neck, very careful with my back. Um, another thing, all this running and stuff was doing was just wrecking my knee. Uh, so I was in a ton of pain, had trouble sleeping. I know that will get easier. I know I could carry the load better. I know I can make these adjustments, but I also know, like, I, I know what it takes to get in shape. I'm probably in the best shape of my life. This would get me in better shape, but right now I weigh 210, which is like in high school, I weigh 215. I've been up to 275. Uh, earlier this year, I dropped uh, 20 or last year, I dropped 25 pounds in six weeks, something like that. So I have the dedication. I can do it. Uh, I've been through two a days for football. I've been through three a days for fighting. Um, you know, and even again, in my forties, when I got back into unlocking the cage, I was doing the double day workouts. Um, you know, and so I can push myself if I need to, but what I've discovered is I need to take care of my body. So the best thing for my body is uh, my hydro machine where I can row. That's really good for my injuries, for rehabbing my body. Yoga, because especially because it incorporates breath. Uh, by far, the best shape I've been in is when I do a lot of yoga. So I'm going to start incorporating a lot more of that. Uh, and then the walks. The, the walks have been great. I enjoy doing those, whether I'm going with my family or on my own. So 
I don't know. I, I really, when I was talking to my wife about it, she was bringing up, uh, you know, in, in jujitsu, what she got out of jujitsu is, you know, you take the things that work and you get rid of the things that don't. So if there's a part of this that just isn't working for me, like why not take the things that really work and then get rid of the ones that don't? That's what I'm going to do. So I don't know. Again, I feel like I'm just justifying my wimpiness, whatever you want to call it, bitchiness, a bitching out, whatever. Um, but I don't know. Life life is short. Uh, you know, I'm very happy with who I am, where I'm at in my life. Um, I don't really feel like I need much more. I feel like I've gotten a good rhythm. I do the things like I'm writing my book on traumatic brain injuries. I've discovered all these things that are good for me. Like I enjoy playing music. Music is good for my brain. I enjoy doing that. During this first week of the challenge, I didn't play music at all. I didn't have the time. I didn't have the energy. I was hurting. Uh, same thing with German. Uh, on my walks, I would listen to German. Uh, you know, another thing to work my brain, but I wasn't getting much actually done. Uh, and again, the creativity, it was okay, but I just was having a little bit less time for writing. So um, I don't know. I think Again, this is an awesome challenge. I encourage people to check it out, to try it. It just, I don't know. I don't think it was right for me. So I got a lot out of it. Um, and I believe they have a money back guarantee because you have to pay money to, to start the program, which I think is good because then you have skin in the game. You're more likely to stay with it. Uh, I believe there's a satisfaction guarantee, but I don't want that money back. I would, I, I think it's a legitimate program, a great program. I'd rather they use that money for their program or to donate it to one of their members that can use it or someone, so many of them are uh, former military. And so they could donate to someone that they, you know, that can use the money. I feel like I got enough out of it. I got a lot out of it. So even though I was only in it for a short time, um, I definitely benefited from it. So that's me quitting once again, just like I did with the writing class uh, a month ago. But again, you know, I put in time into that writing class, creating it, figuring it out, only to realize that wasn't what I wanted. It was, it was taking time away. The writing class was taking time away from my family, from my writing, from all the things that were making me happy. So why do it? Just because you start something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you should finish it. Uh, but yeah, if anyone wants to check out the challenge, it's uh, deliberate discomfort, I'm guessing.com. Just type that in, uh, mission six zero. Um, yeah, I highly recommend it, especially maybe you need it. Maybe you need to have a tribe to help find yourself. Um, I feel pretty good. I, I feel like I'm in a good place, the best place I've been mentally and emotionally probably my entire life. So I just, you know, that's why I'm bowing out. Yeah, I felt like such a wimp, uh, you know, texting him, telling him, hey, I'm just not going to do it. It just wasn't right for me. Uh, but I'm going to let that go. Kind of owning it by sharing it on here. It's like, so now you guys know that I'm a wuss too. It's all right. I'm good with that. That's okay. Uh, and like my buddy Eugene, who was the one who recommended this to me, uh, I wrote to him first before I told him that I was quitting. Um, and he said, you know, it didn't change his opinion on me. And that no one's opinion should matter anyhow. And that's true. Like, it really doesn't. Uh, as long as you're good with yourself, other people's opinions really don't matter. They, they, they never should. I was always too concerned with that. Uh, now I really 
don't care as much, you know? I know people are gonna hate me. And just like being a writer that helps because you see the reviews of people that absolutely love your work. Then you see the reviews of people that absolutely hate your work. And so you can't uh, base your worth off of other people's opinion. You know, we would, it would always be fluctuating and, and who knows who these people are and whether or not I would care for them. And, you know, and that doesn't change their worth either. So it is what it is. I just want to get this off my chest. I feel a lot better now that I am not dealing with this, that I don't have it weighing on me, this decision. Um, so let's get to some other stuff. All right. Um, what else? What else? What else? Not much else is going on. It's just been that, man. It's just been dealing with all the muscle pain. Oh, and also I, the reason why this even came up with the, me stopping was because I had like flu symptoms, still kind of dealing with that. Um, and then the back and the, the knee problems. And so, um, yeah, it, it was, it was kind of rough. Uh, but again, whatever. Uh, nothing else going on. I picked up trying to die in 25 perfect days. Again, I'm going to work on that. I thought listening to these short stories is the perfect warm up for me to, um, write this with my daughter. I'm pretty excited about it. I think it's going to be really good. Um, but I need to get back into this world. I'm doing this while I am also doing the traumatic brain injury book. Uh, so I won't, don't know how much time I'll be putting into the China today, but I know I need to work on something. Uh, also, Glenn, uh, my co-author on China to Die and Death Fest, man, that book has been sitting forever, but he's back on it. He's working on it. So he said he's going to have something to me by the end of the week. And Steve Montgomery is working on Try Not to Die super high. He should have something for me too. So that's what I'm going to be working on. I'm just going to be working on the Try Not to Dies while finishing up the traumatic brain injury book. And that's where that is. Um, so let's go into the short story. Five Minutes Alone was set in 2036. This story that you're about to hear, Fortune Angry Marchers, is 2037, the following year. Uh, I believe one of the characters is the same. You can listen carefully, try to figure it out. Um, I was thinking about telling you guys ahead of time how people are connected, but... I think it's better just to figure it out as you go. And it's not always necessarily important. It's cool. It's like a little bonus if you do get it, but you can listen to just to each of these stories. You can skip stories. You should still be able to get something from them. Lots of these stories were published in smaller magazines or uh, anthology first, um, especially in horror ones. And then I just kind of put them together and blended them into this world. So these stories are meant to stand alone. Uh, it's just more powerful if you listen to them all together. All right, guys, let's go out on this 14 Angry Marchers. This is narrated by Dave Thompson. All right, guys, have a great one. And I will talk to you next week. Later. Fourteen Angry Marchers, October 11th, 2037. Kenneth Murphy refused to fidget. He sat alone in the front pew, his sparkling white suit jacket too big, his fingers peeking out pale and stubby. The shoulder pads did little to add confidence, did nothing to stop him from picturing all the families at home, watching and wondering how a scrawny, pimply-faced 18-year-old could take over for his glorious father, who was commanding the altar like God's personal general. 
Sunlight poured through the stained glass windows and streamed over the reverend's crimson locks, creating a fiery halo worthy of the Archangel Michael. All that was missing were wings and a sword. It was often said when the reverend spoke, the world stopped, and when the reverend asked his flock to join him in prayer, heaven rumbled from the thunderous sound. Kenneth and his father were the only ones wearing white, the sacred color of the chosen, but Kenneth just felt like a fraud. This was the day he was to take his first steps toward becoming the leader of the Church of the American Way, the largest ministry in the world. The Reverend had baptized the current president, countless senators, and two Supreme Court justices. Kenneth's reign would forever reside in the shadow of his father. The Reverend raised a golden book to the rafters. His amplified voice boomed, The only way! The congregation echoed his words, each member showing off his copy to the angels above. For too long we have allowed selfishness to poison this glorious land, but no longer will we turn our backs on our brothers and sisters. We will no longer stand by as this country falls into the hands of the few while the rest suffocate in death. Kenneth joined in the applause. His father smiled for the cameras. This book, inspired by the Almighty, shows us the way. But a book cannot make our decisions. It is only a tool, a guide. It is up to each of us to accept our role, to take up the burdens of those in need, to elevate the least, so we can all be given seats at the banquet of God. For how we treat the suffering souls of this earth defines our kingdom. And come election day, we will usher in an era of prosperity for all, not just those willing to lie and cheat their way to the top, but for those courageous enough to play by the rules. For we are all in this together, one people, one way. The crowd leapt to their feet, praising God and the reverend who made his way down to his flock. I look around this room and I still see the faces of fear. At least a hundred of you have over a million dollars in assets, some of you even more, and you've worked hard for that money and you're concerned. How can you trust it will protect the ones you love? How can you be sure it will care for those in need long after you pass on? The Reverend leaned against the second pew, just a simple man of the people. I'm afraid I cannot take away those fears, but I know someone who might. He looked to the rafters. I suppose you might call it faith. The plump woman in a floral dress sitting three feet from the reverend held her heart with both hands, had the biggest smile. The reverend smiled back at her, then continued. When November 3rd comes around and you step inside that ballot booth, I want you to see beyond Proposition 867. I want you to see the faces of the children you'll feed. I want you to see the roofs over families' heads. See the shoes, the highways, the dignity and self-respect each of us deserves. He turned his back to the crowd, returned to the altar. Vote no and your family keeps 90% of your money when you die, he spun back. Sounds like a great deal, right? A few couldn't help but nod. Sure, who cares if children starve? 
Who cares if the whole country burns? No one moved. How much is enough? Tell me. He took out a handkerchief, dabbed his brow. Proposition 867 isn't about taking everything, and don't let anyone tell you different. If you're making more than a million, it's half, not a penny more. And if you're making over a million and you cannot get by on half, then you need an accountant. A sliver of laughter sliced through the tension. Wayne, the lead usher and bodyguard, stood watch at the side door, his long hair slicked back in a ponytail. Kenneth could tell there was something going on outside. Shadowy figures seemed to be gathering on the other side of the stained glass. The reverend continued. Think of the changes we can bring, the good we can accomplish if we'll simply join together. Heaven on earth, where everyone gets a seat at the table. The applause came crashing, and everyone was stomping and hollering hallelujah. Everyone except Wayne and a few other bodyguards. The reverend said, Difficult decisions are part of life, but they will always be rewarded when the correct path is chosen. And today... God has blessed us with a special choice of his own. Before us is a young man who has been called to serve the Lord and his people. Kenneth's cheeks grew warm. He needed to calm down. Having to approach the altar with his white suit and red hair was bad enough. He didn't need a red face to match. The reverend began listing Kenneth's accomplishments, but he was soon drawn out by the violent shouts outside the doors. Most of the congregation swiveled their heads toward the back of the church. The reverend spoke louder. As the Church of the American Way's first youth minister, this wholesome young man will guide us through the word and the way. The voices outside grew louder and echoed through the building. Their angry message was clear. The reverend was leading his flock toward damnation. But the reverend would not be interrupted in his own house. It is with great pride that I call forth my son, Kenneth Murphy II. Nervously, Kenneth rose. He was greeted with a smattering of applause inside the church and angry chanting outside. He stepped toward his father, but not too quickly. He'd learned as slick white shoes turned the carpet into an ice skating rink. Slowly, he knelt before the altar. The reverend placed his hands on Kenneth's head and told the congregation to help usher this child into the light of the one true way. Kenneth slid his thumb over his heart, stood and took his place at the right hand of his father. He tried to look confident and strong like his father wanted, but he couldn't help but notice the congregation glancing everywhere but at him. No one admired his fine suit. No one noticed his hair parted to the right, just like the reverends. No one cared a single bit. They were focused on the rising chants from outside the doors. Wayne and the other bodyguards shifted positions in the perimeter aisles, looked to the reverend for the command to take action. The reverend shook his head and said, There is only one way to salvation. The people outside are confused and bitter. They deserve our pity, not our condemnation. 
Kenneth had never seen his father show so much restraint, but he knew it had to do with the cameras. The world was watching, and the Church of the American Way had developed a reputation for harsh retribution. The Reverend reclaimed his flock by returning their focus to the special occasion at hand. Then, from outside, a man shouted, No, don't! The crash made Kenneth jump back, but he was still showered with pieces of stained glass. A tiny shard sliced across his right cheek, but the rest bounced off his sparkling white suit and the ridiculous shoulder pads. Kenneth opened his eyes as the last bits of glass floated to the sanctuary floor. He faced the crowd, hands covering their mouths. He tried to stay calm, certain they could hear his ragged breathing. The reverend brushed off his son's suit, took out his handkerchief, and wiped the blood from Kenneth's cheek. Through clenched teeth, the reverend said, Stop shaking. There is no fear in this house. The reverend turned to the congregation. Everyone, please take your seats. He picked up the dirt-encrusted brick, grabbed Kenneth's arm, and dragged him down the aisle. As they approached the giant oak doors, the reverend motioned for the bodyguards to take position. Kenneth said, We should call the state. Let them handle it. The reverend spun, pulled Kenneth close, their noses almost touching. There is only one authority on this earth. Ours. He pointed at Roger, a tall man with thick glasses. Stay with the money. Roger slipped behind the counter piled high with signed copies of The Only Way as the Reverend threw open the double doors and burst out into the mid-morning sunshine, brick in hand. The ushers surrounded Kenneth and his father as they headed for the protesters, only fourteen of them, not a real threat. Most of the protesters wore bandanas over their mouths or full-on masks. There were even a few rubber ones for the Reverend. They held picket signs, the wrong way. Five minutes too long. The fourth has been forgotten. One way to hell. Two men in skeleton masks stood by the broken window. The camera crew followed, and the reverend slowed down to make sure they didn't miss this. An usher snapped out his baton, but the reverend shook his head. They filed in behind the reverend as he held up the brick. Who dares to throw stones at a house of God? A man in black, one of the few without a mask, whispered to a stockier, bearded man with clenched fists. The man in black turned to the reverend and said, We apologize for our actions. The window will be replaced. The cost is not the concern. The glass cut my son. Who gives a shit? The bearded man said. The man in black pulled back his friend. I'll pay for it myself if I have to. It should not have happened. Do you have any idea how much time and effort went into that creation? A voice from somewhere in the group called. Like you don't have the money. Another voice said, Yeah, you probably get that from one appearance. The reverend inhaled through his nose and flashed that famous smile. I do not deny my successes, and what I have made has been returned tenfold to those across this great land. But who among you here can offer more than derision and scorn? The man in black unzipped his windbreaker, his white collar now visible to all.
I believe I can answer that challenge. I am Father Potter of St. Luke's Church, and I am here as a voice of gentle opposition to this abomination. The Reverend held the brick to the cameraman. If this is what they consider gentle opposition, I'd hate to see them angry. I don't condone what happened. I tried to stop it. But by his good name, this is no house of God. This is nothing but business, a shelter of greed. Greed? The Reverend laughed. Our money flows through the people of this country, not through your golden palaces and Rome. Potter's face flushed red. Kenneth saw his father was staying true to their concept of never defend, always attack. Potter said, The money you donate to the government comes back to you multiplied by a number far greater than ten. You know it, even if your blind flock does not. The reverend started to speak, but Potter raised his hand to silence him. I've seen the provisions of this tax bill you're pushing. Your church is the only one to receive anything from the collected funds. Because unlike you, we guarantee it will be spent on the people. A frail woman stepped forward, her grip tight on a picket sign. You just want to take everything so you can control our country. And what exactly is under control now? The traffic? The pollution? Corruption? Scandal? The education of our young? My brother's dead because of the laws you support, a voice shouted. And my father, another announced. Kenneth stared at the shell of a woman, a blonde 30-something, clutching an upside-down picket sign to balance her withered leg. Her sunken eyes were dull gray, like she'd been slowly poisoned. The sign read, the fourth forgotten in blood-red letters. Potter put his arm around her and said, Her husband was murdered in one of your raids for supposedly not turning in a registered gun, a gun they never found. The protesters grumbled in anger, booed the reverend, called him a charlatan. And what exactly would you call this so-called priest? The bearded man lunged forward, his stick drawn, Murderer! Potter and a young man with a blue bandana covering half his face grabbed his arm, urged him not to make matters worse for himself, for all of them. But worse is exactly what will happen, the reverend said. As long as the needs of the few outweigh those of the many, then suffering is all that awaits. The protester dropped his picket sign, took off his bandana, and stepped toward the reverend. And what would you know about suffering? For the first time, the reverend stepped back. The protester was just a teenager, but his eyes looked like they'd seen years of death. It took a few seconds, but Kenneth recognized the kid. Justin Adams, the brother of that girl who had been raped and murdered. Justin's face had been splashed on every news station. That vacant stare, his chin dripping with blood after his five minutes. Wayne stepped in, put his hand on Justin's chest, but Justin kept walking. The crowd closed in. The ushers formed the line. Wayne said to Justin, You want to get sprayed? The protesters stopped. The blue dye took over a week to wash off, and it was reason for any citizen to be picked up for questioning. Kenneth said, Do it! One of the protesters in the reverend mask started for Kenneth, 
who nearly tripped as he backed up. The protester said, Look at me, I'm chosen, I'm chosen. Another one danced back and forth. Me too, me too. Kenneth felt his cheeks flush. He wanted to shout, to tell these nothings they didn't deserve to live in this country. But he felt the stutter, the affliction he'd worked so hard to overcome, swirling around his mouth. Several of the protesters shoved their camera phones in his face. One of them said, Save us, chosen one! They all started laughing. The reverend grabbed Wayne's hand, lowered it from Justin's chest. No one will be sprayed. He leaned into Justin's ear, but spoke loud enough for the cameras. I feel your anguish, but you don't have to carry this alone. We are here for you, son. Kenneth watched Justin's eyes. The anger was starting to dissipate, but then Justin's hands drove into the reverend's gut. The bodyguards snapped out their batons. The protesters drove them back. Wayne pulled out a canister, shook it, pressed the button. A blast of blue sprayed Justin's eyes. Screams and the burning mist filled the air. Potter grabbed Justin and pulled him back, emptied a water bottle over the kid's face. Kenneth barely saw the woman pulling something from her purse, but he heard the shot saw the flash, the exploding hole. The blood sprayed across his face and dripped down his cheek. The reverend collapsed, his head smacking concrete. An usher pulled out his gun, returned fire, the woman, a marionette, dancing in the wind. Potter crawled toward her while the rest of the protesters ran, spread out like fireworks. Kenneth fell to his knees, cradling his father's head. Their brand new suits covered in red. The hole gushed the contents of his father's heart. The reverend's mouth moved, but there wasn't a sound. Kenneth took his father's hand. Don't talk. It's going to be all right. Kenneth screamed for someone to help. He stroked his father's fiery hair and felt something gripping his jacket. His father's hand. You must lead them, the reverend gasped, through everything. Dad, it's all yours now. Kenneth watched the brick fall from his father's hand and gave a small, silent prayer. He sensed the camera zooming in, the world watching, waiting to see what he'd do next. Kenneth simply drew a breath and looked around the scene. He saw the woman flat on the ground, her chest still rising and falling. He crawled over and bowed his head in prayer. He kissed her forehead to tell everyone watching she was forgiven. Then he leaned into her ear and whispered so only she could hear, I doubt five minutes will be enough. This has been a presentation of the Project Entertainment Network.